All right, we're back again. Jonathan, thanks so much for being with me today. It's great to be here. Good to have you, man. Excited to be here on this beautiful spring day and to talk about stewardship today. Absolutely, man. This is a it's a great topic. I think one that uh, is definitely the definition has changed over over my lifetime. So yeah, far. and it's I think the idea of stewardship has really been with us from the very beginning. It strikes me that when God, after you know breathing light and life into literally creation into being, um, that He would look over that. And it was something that was obviously immensely important to him. The scripture says in a somewhat understated way that he saw it was good. But can you imagine how he felt about what he had created? And that he took the most valuable creation, man, that he created at the end, made in his image, and he would entrust him. Genesis chapter 1 says, from the very beginning, it says that um, that he told him to be in charge of or put him over all the beasts of the field the birds of the air, that he would be entrusted to be the the one that was over all that. And that after that, in Genesis chapter 2, that God put man in the most beautiful place, the most beautiful part of his creation, the garden. In Genesis chapter 2, verse 15, it says that God gave man, uh, the Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to work it and take care of it. And so that idea that even from the beginning, we've been entrusted to be stewards of creation, that man was given that from the very beginning. It's, it's an important topic. Right. It's, it's not, a, not about ownership and possession, but it's about a, there's an element of responsibility right. there. This guard is not for you just to sit and hang out, but there's a, there's a responsibility here mm-hmm. that you are to, to work, you know, well, not in the garden, once he was put out of the garden to work the land, but definitely something to care for um, and to have a, an element of responsibility there. Yeah, and we are, there's a, um, it signifies a relationship. And you think about the things that, that you're given. If we're given something, we might tend to take it for granted. But when you're entrusted with something, there's two parts of that. There's, there's something that you've been entrusted with, but then there's also the person or the party that's put you in trust over something. And I think we tend to care or put a little more stock and importance into those things that we've been entrusted with. Yeah, absolutely. An example that popped into my mind as you're talking there is uh, when Ellen and I got married, uh, we had a friend that gave us uh, his, let us borrow, that gave, <laughs> let us borrow his Lexus. To, entrusted. Entrusted, right. <laughs> and that's definitely the way I felt uh, was, mm-hmm. okay, we're, we're driving the speed limit. We drove the perfect mile every, every mile in that car because it was, it was a nicer car than what we had, yeah. but it was also not ours. Yeah. And so when you're entrusted with the responsibility of maintaining and using something that someone else's, there is a, you up your game a little bit, right? There's a, a deeper responsibility um, to, to maintain it, to, well, just that responsibility. Mm-hmm. It's definitely weighs a little bit heavier. If it's your own, then, you know, if something happens to it, it may not be quite as big of a deal because it's yours. You can deal with it and move on. But yeah. when it belongs to someone else, and if we start thinking of this life in terms of it belongs to God, then one, there's our there's built in a purpose there. No doubt. There's built in responsibility. Um and, and I think your uh, you know, your use of Genesis two there to illustrate that is is spot on, the responsibility that, that comes with that. Uh what are some other things that, that we can uh that we've been entrusted with? Yeah. I think that our our walk, our fellowship with God centers around realizing that we can see anything that's good in our life as potentially something that we've been entrusted with to be a steward of, um, whether it's our time, whether it's a possession, whether it's influence. There's a lot of things. I was thinking about it as you kind of 
mentally kind of walk through the Bible, and you think about figures in the Bible that were entrusted with something, sometimes they failed. Um, Adam in the garden, Adam and Eve, that was part of the the thing that was was so damaging about their sin is that it was also breaking that relationship. It was breaking um, that trust that God had granted to them in the garden with how they mismanaged that and how they didn't follow him. And so we, we can see that through the Bible. It's like the ultimate you had one job moment. You know? <laughs> yes, <laughs> exactly. Um, Esau, you know, through the promise That's of God that example. was going to flow through Abraham and then mm-hmm. Isaac, Esau was the, he had the birthright. He was yeah. the firstborn. He had been entrusted to be a caretaker of that that flow of the promise of God through his family, and yeah. yet he didn't realize the importance of being a steward of that. And so he traded it away on a day when he was famished for a bowl of stew. It's a really bad trade. No, you're absolutely right. Yeah, I mean, and I love Campbell's as much as the next guy, but I mean, that, that's a, a short-sighted, very All day short-sighted. Long. Right? All day long, a bad trade. Yeah, you, you think of um, Ephesians 5 and verse 16, so... This is Paul writing, and he says, Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time, because the days are evil. This is a guy that also, um, he, he used everything he had from the, the moment he was converted um, to the time that he died. Mm-hmm. He used every resource he had. You think of him uh, being in prison. Think of him using even his citizenship as a, as a means to glorify God, appealing to Caesar, going through that process at every step. Felix Agrippa, you know, every opportunity he had to have an audience, he saw as an opportunity to testify on behalf of God, to mm-hmm. to speak the gospel to every ear that was available. Even if the city was hostile towards him uh, or people were taking care of him, he didn't stop. He, he used everything that he had. And, you know, that, that kind of contrasts with Esau, who was willing to trade what he could have had, right? To be a part of this, this lineage, this heritage of, of God's promises, but he, he traded it for something very temporal. He traded it for something that was very consumable, you know, mm-hmm. that, that was not everlasting. Jesus told the, the woman at the well that, you know, what the water I give you, you'll never thirst again. Like that, that's a different way of thinking, you yeah. know, it's seeing beyond just the physical temporal here and now. Yeah. And it's seeing a bigger picture. Trading the, what is irreplaceable with something that would be easily replaceable. Right. With anything really, you know, and we yeah. do that often. Yeah. It's we're, a commodity. Exactly. We're, we're challenged with that really at every turn, mm-hmm. uh, to be consumers of life as opposed to stewards uh, of what the, the gifts, every good and perfect gift comes from the Father above. And if you see it, see life that way, everything, like you said, everything that's good, well, then that's from God, so it's to be used for God's good, right. you know, for the kingdom. The King James Version, the, the verse that you refer to in Ephesians, mm-hmm. I like that the King James Version refers to, to it as redeeming the time. Yes. Again, it's right. that connotation, that idea that there's always a trade. There's mm-hmm. a trade-off that's taking place. And if we're if we're really strengthening our relationship and our awareness of our relationship with our Heavenly Father, it is recognizing that we're always making trade-offs and that we want to capture our time. We want to use our time wisely. We want to use it effectively. We want to use it for His purposes and His glory and that there is a stewardship component involved in how we manage that. It's interesting you use the word redeemed. In Leviticus 25, I know, kind of a random place to go here, but Leviticus 25 is is where we we learn about the year of Jubilee. Mm -hmm. And uh, every seven years, every seventh year, Israel was to, to, you know, rest the land and and the land will provide fruit for them. And then year 50 was the year of Jubilee. And so this was, it's very interesting. If you have the time, 
well, I encourage you to make the time, dig into Leviticus yeah. 25 um, and, and the context around it. But essentially, chapter 25, verse 23, he's talking about how everyone, uh, Israel, will return to their land, to the property that they had, uh, the debts that they owed were forgiven. You know, there, there's this redemption happening. In verse 23, it says, the land shall not be sold in perpetuity for the land is mine. Mm. You know, this land doesn't belong to you forever. This is land that I'm giving to you to use, to steward. For you are strangers and sojourners with me, and in all the country you possess, you shall allow a redemption of the land. So ultimately, what you've been entrusted with is from me. Don't ever forget, it's mine. It's not yours to sell, to pay a debt. It's not yours to, you know, to, to sell indefinitely. It's yours to steward. And, uh, and so this idea of redemption, if you go on, the, the rest of chapter 25 talks about uh, redemption for poor people and the things to... It, it's a, a little bit of a glimpse into our redemption spiritually, um, you know, with, with Christ and the, the example that he left for us, or that he um, sacrificed, he created for us. When, when we start focusing on the fact that maybe every 50 years, everything's going to kind of go back to as it was, then you don't focus so much on the holding and possessing mm-hmm. of, of the land or whatever it is, those, those possessions. You focus on using. If you know that, that it's not yours to just, to just have, but there's, it's going to go back at some point, then the time you have becomes more precious. To utilize. And you utilize it. Yeah. Exactly. You put it yeah. to use. So that responsibility kind of comes back. And so if we understand that our life is but a vapor, that we are here to steward the, the context in which we've been put in, then we're not, we're not concentrating on, on gathering stuff. We're not laying up for ourselves treasures here on earth where moth and stro- uh, destroy and people break in and steal, but we lay up for ourselves treasures in heaven. We, we start redeeming the time yeah as you're saying that you know we we redeem our lives here and we don't redeem but god redeems us in the sense that that we make good on what we've been entrusted with we steward every blessing that he's given us and um there's a lot of there's a lot to unpack in leviticus 25 that's just kind of a little glimpse there but this idea of it's not yours to own i i will provide for you trust me trust that i will i brought you out of egypt you know, you, you ended up in, in debt to Egypt, becoming slaves there. I brought you out of slavery, brought you through the Red Sea. I brought you into this land that I promised you to not possess in the sense that you have full ownership, but to live, to dwell, and to multiply, to do really yeah. well. Yeah. The land will provide. And it's, there's so much nuance there that you pull out that starts to connect with, uh, with the New Testament there. And that, that belief that God is going to provide, God is going to redeem us. Um, you know, God is going to bring us and provide everything for us. Then it's all about leaning into him and trusting him and not yeah. trying to hold on so tight to stuff or even relationships or opportunities, you know. Very much. I When we, we think about capturing or redeeming time and we kind of go into the New Testament, there was the ultimate steward yeah. was Jesus Christ himself. And we really think about what his, what, what was he a steward of? Well, he was... He was a steward of something of great importance. He was a, he was a steward of the ultimate mission and purpose of God, what God was going to accomplish through him. That's a heavy yeah. that's a heavy weight, right? To be to be in charge or entrusted with that. Jesus did it to perfection. That he came Literally, here, yeah. And in a small amount of time, you talk about redeeming your time. You talk about an effective use of time. In a, in a lifespan that's shorter than either one of us have lived at this point, right? What he was able to accomplish by following through on God's plan and God's purpose, and how he was able to do that so effectively—the ultimate steward—he never took his eye off the goal. 
off the prize of what he was here to do. And he just, he's the ultimate. It's not because he didn't have opportunity. Every day was an opportunity for him to take glory for himself. But you see him over and over again deflect and give glory to God. Right. You know, his whole, his whole purpose, everything was to glorify God in his kingdom and, and, uh, and to bring in that, that new kingdom. So uh, he is truly the, the ultimate. Um, yeah. And we see it in, in some of the miracles that he performed. Mm-hmm. Um, he was always conveying this idea of when you use what God has entrusted you with, when, when you truly use that for kingdom purposes, we don't always have to see how the dots are going to connect to achieve an end goal. Right. And Jesus demonstrated that. You know, we think about um, or when Jesus, when, when the apostles were out fishing, they had fished all night and caught nothing. Um, Luke chapter 5 is an example. Fished all night, but they caught no fish. You got yeah. it. You got that one in. <laughs> we and, sing that a lot in our house these yeah. days. And yeah. there's a reason why we sing that. Because that's, right. that's an amazing story that Jesus would would basically look at that as an opportunity to say, your, your nets are empty, but here's what we can do. L- let's use this. Let's use those nets in a different way. And it was really simple, right? It was just... Why don't you put them out on the other side? But the difference in God, what God was able to produce with that, and it was just a difference in how they used something. But those opportunities are always there. And I think there's another component there too, was when they obeyed the words of Jesus, then they had the fruit of that of that obedience. And and that, you know, another passage there in Leviticus was if if you obey my commands, then the land will provide for you. You will have the security, you know, that comes from me there. And I think that's over and over again. If you love me, you will keep my commandments and my commandments are not burdensome. God's commands, they give us life. They don't restrict us. Absolutely. Right? They bring right. us life. Uh, it's a different kind of living. And that's where, where we get confused is that we start thinking, as Paul would say, carnally, and we start seeing uh, temporal. We start seeing the physical. We do the same thing Esau does. We think, oh, well, this, is, this brings me gratification. It's very temporal. Yeah. Very, you know, it's it's not sustainable gratification. Yeah. It leads to wanting of more. With God, you see over and over this idea of returning and rest is our salvation. That being content in God, um, you know, the stewardship brings a contentment. I think a contentment element there that that is just very different. You know, Christ in the midst of all of his his parables brought out some of these truths as well. Um, with, with the uh, parable of of the good steward or the the wicked steward mm-hmm. was one of those, and. Um, you know, the three servants and the talents or the bags of gold there in Matthew 25. Yeah. Uh, we had talked about that one as well. Yeah. And we, we think about that. Um, that one speaks to us, I think, on a couple of levels. One is we, we see the importance. And when we kind of use that as an analogy of how, how much importance God places on how we utilize the things in our life, but it's not only just in how we use those things. Um, it's the recognition of the opportunity but then it's to utilize those opportunities um, rather than pulling back in fear. So one thing that strikes me about the parable in Matthew chapter 25 was not just that the five-talent servant went and multiplied those things, which was something uh, bold on his part. He did that. The the two-talent man did the same thing, so they were industrious they used what they had been given. They multiplied what they had been given with, with God's blessing. Th- those things multiplied. But it's really in contrast. The f- it's not just the fact that the one talent guy, when he buried that, when he buried that talent or buried that bag of gold, it wasn't just that he 
he did that and there was no increase from it. But what really truly made him wicked in the eyes of his master was what the master says when he asked the servant, why have you done this? Why haven't you gone and done what these other servants have done? What, what the servant said was, because I was afraid. You're a shrewd man. I was afraid. And so first of all, I don't think he understood his master because he said he was fearful of what the master would do. And so he just stopped in his tracks and he buried it. Um, there's a phrase that I, I like to use a lot. And uh, it, the phrase is movement is life. And a lot of times, I, I kind of think about that phrase a lot because I think the worst thing that we can do is to become paralyzed and to just stop what we're doing and, and never pursue anything out of fear. And the servant did that, and that was a terrible use of being given responsibility for something, and the master called him wicked and lazy as a result. You know, if you think about it, fear essentially is the opposite of faith. Mm. You know, if you're paralyzed by fear... Then, then you're not walking by faith. Walking by by sight produces fear. When when Peter stepped out of the boat, the storm's raging. It says he looked at the storm. He looked at the waves. Took mm-hmm. his eyes off Jesus. Walking by faith essentially it, it lives above and beyond that fear. Um, the Bible tells us that perfect love drives out fear, and God is love. And he, he doesn't give us a spirit of timidity and fear, but of power. Mm-hmm. And so when we start living according to this power of His Spirit then that fear is gone. And you're exactly right. If we, if we stand before God and say, well, you gave me all these things to use, but I was just scared. Well, yeah. That's not going to be a good day. You know, no. that's, that's a, that's a fearful thing on judgment day to say that I was, I was afraid. Mm-hmm. And, and, and like that servant, if, if part of our reason for doing something is because it, or for not doing something is because it speaks to that. We really don't know our master, you know, that's a that's a heartbreaking thing. I think that in that passage, I think that's why part of what made the master so infuriated with him is like, you don't know me at all. You know, this is not who I am. And yet you've acted like this. You've not moved. You've not uh, you, you've not had any growth in what you've been entrusted with. And you really I mean, to treat something as as worthless is to just bury it in the ground. Come on. And yet. So I think it speaks to that as well. Our stewardship speaks to, and, and our ability to, to move and to, to act and to trust speaks so much to how we see our Heavenly Father and, and our reliance and our relationship with Him. Uh, I Thanks. think you're spot on with that. Absolutely. Yeah. Man, I, I've thoroughly enjoyed our Me conversation. Too. There's a lot still rattling in my head that I'm looking forward to kind of chewing on later on as well. Uh, but I think this has been a good discussion today. I appreciate you being yeah. with us. So. Thanks, for, thanks for having me. I'm glad to be here. Absolutely, man. Thank you guys for joining us. We'll see you next time.